0: Before we get started today, I would like to make something very clear. It shouldn't matter who you are. Everyone deserves justice. A prostitute deserves for the police to pay the same amount of attention to their case as they would a CEO's. One thing that connects us all as humans is that we all make mistakes. So why is it so often you hear of how the justice system has been biased? I'm not saying it always is but what I'm saying is that it shouldn't happen at all. Anyway, with that being said, let's get started. This is Crooked Hospitality, a show all about the crime, legends, and lore of Mississippi's history. I'm your host, Mae Smith, and this is the case of the disappearance of Brennan Simulke from Hancock County, Mississippi. in middle school, I had to switch schools to the nearby school district of Hancock County. After I was there for a while, I ended up having to serve a day of in-school suspension, otherwise known as ISS. I can't remember why exactly, but I do remember being in there that day with the usual kids who were always in ISS. I felt like a fish out of water until one of the guys, whose name was Brennan, started to make me laugh as he was cracking jokes and picking with me. About a year later, I moved again, but I always kept up with my friends with social media over the years. In 2019, I had just moved to the coast from New Orleans when one day my Facebook feed was full of pictures and posts of that kid Brennan. Since he and I were friends on Facebook, I was able to view more detailed posts on his wall from his family, and I found out that he was missing. Although it's been three years since he disappeared, his family are still no closer to finding answers even though a few bizarre posts have been made claiming information about what happened to him. Investigators still say they have no answers. This is why I chose to cover Brennan's story today. His family deserved closure. So, if you or someone you know may have some information about what happened to Brennan, please come forward. Brennan grew up in the coastal Hancock County, Mississippi. At just three years old, he and his family lost their home to a fire. He had two twin older brothers, and when he was still young, one of his brothers passed away from brain cancer. He spent his time between his mom and dad's house, and in 2018, the year before Brennan disappeared, his father passed away from cancer. When he was still young, he and his family lost their second home to Hurricane Katrina, like my family and so many others. While I was preparing for this episode, I had a thought. Brennan had faced many hardships before we met that day in middle school, yet he still became one of those people who went out of their way to make you laugh. As Brendan got older, he started hanging out with a bad crowd, getting mixed in the drug scene. Since he was about 17 years old, he had various run-ins with the law. Some of the charges were related to drugs and failure to appear in court. The summer of 2019, Brendan had been out of jail for several months and was living with his mother, Missy, and her boyfriend in their Waveland apartment. He told people that while he was in jail, members of a local and well-known gang were pressuring him to join. But Brendan declined their invitation every time, having no interest in joining. However, he did have several friends who were members. His mom said things were going pretty smoothly that July. Brennan was trying to find stable employment, but was having trouble due to his criminal record. On July 24th, Brennan had invited two friends over to the apartment, Chris and Kayla, who were both members of the local gang. Missy said that she was taking a nap in the living room when she heard loud noises coming from his bedroom. When she went to his room to investigate, she walked into an intense scene. Brennan had both Chris and Kayla in a headlock. When she yelled at him, He threw them on his bed and kept trying to hit Chris. Missy wasn't having it and told all three of them to leave. They all left but about 30 minutes later Brennan returned. He left his book bag earlier and he never really left home without it. Before leaving the second time he told his mom he was going to stay with some friends on Sunflower Street. Sunflower Street is located in the Bayside community in Waveland. It is well known for drug dealing and gang activity. Brennan had several friends who lived there, and he frequented the area a lot. That afternoon, he didn't tell his mom specifically whose house he was going to, but that wasn't unusual. Missy felt like he was going to be back shortly after giving them all time to cool down. But after a while, she started texting him, and he wasn't responding, that being unusual. Later that afternoon, a Hancock County police officer attempted to pull over a car on the highway. However, instead of stopping when he flashed his lights, the car sped off, starting a high-speed chase. The officer chased the car up Highway 603 and onto Interstate 10, where the car stalled and came to a stop. Two men jumped out of the car, the driver and a passenger in the back seat. The front seat passenger stayed put. The driver was chased down and caught, but the shirtless and barefoot passenger got away. The officer firmly believed that the runaway passenger was Brennan Samulki. When the other two men in the car were asked if that was Brennan, they gave some oddly vague answers. They both said something like, I think that was Brennan, but I'm not sure. Anyway, a driver on the interstate during the police chase managed to video the ordeal and caught footage of the man fleeing into the woods. The video is very blurry and shaky, but the man running into the woods doesn't appear to have large tattoos on his back. I feel like even if he looks blurry, you would still be able to make out the contrast difference if he had tattoos. This fact concerned several people, and they began to raise questions, stating that the man on the video probably wasn't Brennan since he was covered in tattoos. The police responded to these concerns in a way that took me by surprise. They changed their description of the man. They now say that the man who got away was, in fact, wearing a white t-shirt, not shirtless. Now, I'm going to be honest. I don't know what Brennan was wearing when he left his mom's house that day, but the fact that the police changed their description is just bizarre to me. A few days later, Missy was out driving around looking for her son and was pulled over by a Hancock County cop. He told her he wanted to talk to her about Brennan. Missy had heard rumors about the third passenger being Brennan, but was having a hard time believing it was him. She didn't think he would have run like that, and if he did, he would have called her by now. She was shown the video several times and still didn't think it was him. She said, I know my son well enough. Missy gathered people, and they began to search the area for Brennan or signs of where he could be, but they couldn't find anything. No official searches took place at that time, only the ones organized by friends and family. Although they couldn't find any physical evidence, More details began to emerge. Missy learned that at 2.39 a.m., just six hours after Brennan was last seen, his Facebook Messenger account was used to call a woman. Strangely, when Missy contacted the woman who was called, she said it wasn't Brennan who called her. I don't know what explanation she gave, but I couldn't find any further details about it. Like, who called her then? Anyway, the second passenger was eventually released from jail. He explained to everyone that Brennan was not the other person in the car who got away. He said it was a guy named Sean who actually looked like Brennan, but he didn't have tattoos. This only raises more questions about the police's theory that Brennan was that guy. Brennan's family filed a missing persons report on August 8th, and his case was assigned to investigator Michael Burkett. The police began to investigate, but were not under the impression that foul play was involved. The next month, in September, the family held a candlelit vigil for Brennan. His mom stated that, I don't feel as if he's here anymore. I just don't feel him anymore. Now, I've listened to enough true crime and heard that same statement from enough mothers to know that there is real truth in that feeling that they have. As time passed, more small pieces of the puzzle began to emerge. Missy was having car repairs done at a local mechanic shop one day, and the mechanic was a friend of Brennan's. He began to talk to her about the day Brennan disappeared. He told her that he was in the car with Brennan that afternoon, and the people they were riding with dropped him off at a house on St. Louis Street before they got into the police chase. He told Missy the name of the woman who lived at the house, and Missy knew that Brennan knew her. So the story did seem plausible. It turns out that this woman tried to call Missy the night Brennan disappeared, but her cell phone reception was bad. I don't know if police ever followed up with the woman or what came of this story. But on October 6, 2019, something else truly bizarre happened. A post appeared on Facebook from Brennan's profile. It said, how are you sleeping? You know I'm coming for you. In all likelihood, this is some sick prank but nothing ever seemed to come from it. I wonder if the police could trace the IP address to find where the post at least came from. But things got weirder when another post on social media was made by the group called Anonymous. On January 2nd, 2020, they posted an audio clip of what sounds like several women discussing the disposal of Brendan's items he was wearing, specifically they were worried about his watch and how they had to get rid of it because there is a picture of him wearing it on Facebook. They also mentioned a man named Jeremy Payet who drove a white truck and used it to haul away Brennan's body. The group Anonymous made a few statements about the recording saying that they knew the identity of the women talking and that one of them belonged to the local gang. They threatened to release the information to police. Although this seems like a bombshell to me, investigators claim that they didn't learn anything new from the audio clip and also revealed that Anonymous never released any information to them. Coupled with the audio clip, many believe Brennan was the target of the local gang for having Kayla in a headlock that night and throwing her onto his bed. They believe the gang killed him for putting his hands on her. Although the sheriff's office has put more than a thousand hours into the investigation, we still do not know what happened to Brennan. The police still believe he was the third passenger that afternoon who got away. Now, Missy just wants his body found and brought home so they can have closure. She deserves to know what happened to him that night, and continues to ask questions and investigate to this day. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Brennan Simulki, please contact Hancock County Investigator Michael Burkett at two two eight. Please help bring his family some answers. As always, thank you for listening to this episode of Crooked Hospitality. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and leave us a review. I'll see y'all next time.